0: Hello and welcome to Mancheck Chit Chat on this Thin Fried Friday. Joining me today is a great guy who I met recently here at the restaurant when he sh- sh- scouted for a location. His mic is named Harrow. Harrow? Harrow? Harrow. Harrow. Why oh, it sounds German. Harrow. Yeah. Middendorf Harrow. We harrow. say <laughs> hi. <laughs> well, thank you for coming out here and talk a little bit. I, I was so excited when I met you and you guys sp- picked us out to film something here. And by the way, we've been used many times for filming, but also some of the travel shows and other uh, cooking shows where people came by and filmed. But so many people always ask questions about filming and they see them all over, especially in our parish, uh, up in Hammond, Pencetula, they're filming constantly. So Mike, tell us a little bit, um, where, your life story, how you got into it and where what are you doing here?
1: Well, I got into this business basically um it was a childhood dream. You know, when I was very young, I wanted to be an actor. And then as I got older, I liked more the th- seeing the things behind the screen and how they make them. So I, I pretty much, right out of high school, started whatever job I could. And that was the being an audience recruiter for the Tracy Ullman Show, which is the birthplace of the Simpsons. <laughs> and <laughs> no, they're uh,
0: down from Springfield. Simpsons are of Springfield, right outside Punch Yeah. Tower. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mike, tell me, uh, you know, I mean, when I got of high school, I mean, you know, uh, wherever you grew up, you're not like, oh, I want to be in a movie. You know, every little kid wants to be a race car driver. Uh, I want to be a chef one day. But where are you originally from?
1: I am originally from Los Angeles. Los Angeles. I was born in Hollywood.
0: Well, so everybody who grows up there wants to be an actor?
1: No, I wouldn't say that. But, <laughs> you know, the, the high school that I went to, I had a lot of friends whose families were in the business. So it just progressed from there. And um, some, I think my first movie I got from a friend who basically called me up and said, here, talk to this guy. Tell him you know what you're doing. <laughs> so I get on the phone and I, I, we talk. I, you know, I didn't lie to him. I said I know my way around sets since I'd been working with The Tracy Ellman Show. And this, by the end of the conversation, he called me up and, and said, when can you uh, start? And I said, now. He said, okay, come in tomorrow morning. And so that was supposed to be maybe a one or two day job. It ended up being the whole film. And that was a film called Defending Your Life with Albert Brooks and Merrill Street. And it was a fantastic ex- experience for me.
0: And then how you ended up over here in Louisiana?
1: Well, the first job that I had was as a location assistant. So my boss was a location manager. The job of the location manager for any production is basically to talk with the director, production designer, figure out what scenes that they want to find on location, what they want it to look like, how they want the logistics of the scene to play. And uh, then it's our job to find options that match their, their ideal locations. So we go, we send scouts out in every direction and we literally drive around, look, anything that is of interest to us that we think we'll like, we'll approach them see if they're open to have any filming. If they are, then we'll show those pictures to the designer. Because sometimes they'll have 30 folders of one location, you know, for the option. And then she'll read them down to what she likes, and then from there we go to the director. Wow. He'll pick a couple options and we'll go look at it and he'll just walk through and kind of envision how he's going to direct the scene. Once he has that, you know, it may or may not work the way he likes perfectly, you know he'll look at all the options and then make a decision and so that's where the rest of the work comes in
0: you know it, it, it you don't realize it when you drive by and you see sometimes people film and they said oh, oh they just drove by and parked there and fil- uh, filmed something there so it takes a lot even when you guys came by here uh, you know you guys did a lot of work before you even stepped a foot into midendorf's
1: yes. yes we, we didn't did. even
0: notice we don't even notice you don't <laughs> want us to know it
1: well, um, a lot of it's to see if they can there's things they need to do that to, to play for the scene. If there's certain things they don't want to see, they might want to build a wall, and then they'd have to measure the rooms and match walls to, so they look like they're seamless, uh, just to kind of create the environment that they want for the scenes. So there's definitely a lot of advanced work. Um, my work begins once the director has chosen it. That's when I start negotiations with the locations for the amount of time that we need so that we can compensate them fairly and provide them with insurance and, you know, them so that we're able to come in. And then we do a final scout, which we call a tech scout, and that's where basically all the department heads that haven't been on all the previous scouts all get together. We look at every single location prior to the start of filming. And that is so they can hear what the director wants to do, what areas he wants to film. Each department will, you know, survey that location and the needs for it. It can be anything from wanting to change just the light bulbs or where they're gonna bring the cables for the, to power up their lights. Um, sometimes it's a matter, let's say there's a scene that was a fight scene, they wanna replace the furniture, they try to figure out how to match the furniture and build it so it's easily breakable and safe for the stuntman. So it's just a, it's a lot of planning so that by the time we actually get to the, the location, it's everything goes to clockwork. It kind of looks like organized chaos, but it's <laughs> <laughs> they know what they're doing.
0: <laughs> so ninety percent of the work is actually done before. Ninety percent seems like is some of done before and after to put it back into place. So ten percent is only the day off.
1: Yes, and fortunately, you know, if if I've done everything right, then if anything happens on the day. I'm ready to just deal with whatever happens on a day, hence the storm a couple of days ago.
0: <laughs> Was it a, well, you don't think of it. I mean, you, so when they're pick the location and the scene, you know, if it's raining, if it's nice, you know, if it's a storm outside, there's nothing you can do. If it's a nice, blue day weather, you can spray water in the air and make it rain.
1: <laughs> sure, that is correct. So we looked at the scenes, which scenes with, which in theory could be shot in the rain and which ones could not. So we reorganize i think uh, two days of work to basically be able to film the scenes some scenes during the rain and some scenes as soon as that the rain was gone
0: yeah so we are still on schedule when we film here since you know the one sometimes you know it's not this uh, easy people always think it's so easy in the movies but also we have people driving to Mendoza from some far away and you know if they would show up on a certain day and we just would be close to film here mm-hmm. you know we wouldn't want this and you guys were Great with us together to pick the days we closed anyway, so it should be easy.
1: Fortunately, we were able to do that, and I think it'll work out well that way. There's no, you know, impact to the customers, and it's you know, there's some places where that's just the case. Right. Some places where you know sometimes we just have to film the scenes at night, and it's a matter for us to make a decision: is can we do it? Um, is it really worth it? And of course. Most of the time it's, yeah, so we will adjust.
0: Oh, absolutely a lot. Of good and everything. Well, tell me a bit. So you, you uh, did first L.A., and you now we talked about here. But between L.A. and Louisiana, L.A., L.A., um, tell us about the craziest film or location where you scout it. Tell me a little bit about, since so many people have a dream, they don't have it like you, you know, get called up and be in a movie yeah, you know, in it, Louisiana.
1: It's, it's crazy. Um, there's many different ways to get in. It's not always easy. But um, you know, I fell into the, this job, and I, I really liked it because, for me, I could never see myself working in an office eight hours a day. This job is always challenging because you know we might go to the same location on the show, and um, but it's another movie, each movie, each production will have their own requirements for each location when they whenever they film. So nothing for me is ever the same. But I like that challenge. Um, being the location manager, that also allows me to travel depending on where the production wants to film.
0: But if you go somewhere else, I mean, you have contacts there where they say, you contact where they pick already locations. And if you come to Louisiana, I mean, or how many? Yeah,
1: people? it's um, almost each place that we go to will have some sort of a film commission. Oh, yeah. that will point us in the right direction the uh, last time i was here working in louisiana we scouted the north east section of the state it was a film that was d- written directed by jeff nichols uh, in a, called mud and um, but he's from arkansas and um, he'd wanted to shoot the film in arkansas he Just didn't have enough funds for it. Uh, So they always include like New Orleans, actually the state of Louisiana offers a film incentive for productions to come here. So the incentive basically allows them to put more money into production to get what they need. Um, So in this instance um, for Arkansas they were able to come to an agreement to give them a grant to make up the difference so that they would move over there. And that was mainly because this director literally wrote the film about Arkansas. about Arkansas, where he grew up, it was a coming of age story. So when I went to Arkansas, to me it was just, I had a lot of fun with it because I like exploring. And you know, just driving roads and looking for scenes and trying to find, I think our biggest challenge was just trying to find these houseboats that exist in Arkansas that people build on their own and they just park them in different areas of the rivers we yeah. see him here yeah so you know I think they've encountered some resistance from authorities and so now they don't necessarily always park them near little landings but they're parked a mile down the river or something and so uh, you know I'd go in asking one of the locals I think I went into this property and this house and it turned out it was the place where they train rangers and I'm asking the rangers and they're from multiple states and This guy says, I have no idea. Talk to the woman in the kitchen. I go over there, and she's baking these wonderful cinnamon uh, buns and um, explain what I'm doing. She goes, oh, well, you know, if you go back to Preston's Ferry and then go down the river about half a mile, uh, there's some right there. And she goes, you have a boat, right? I said, no. Well, you need a boat. How are you (laughs) going to get down there? And then she goes, hold on. She gets on the phone calls I think one of her relatives and he basically is a retired constable and I could hear the conversation what are you doing sleeping get up I need you to take someone down the river next you uh, know he's coming over picks me up we go back to this place and pull the uh, the John boat take it over to the river launch and go in and scout the houseboats and uh, it's pretty funny because she also told me she calls them they all call him the swamp rat <laughs> <laughs>
0: They're everywhere the brats. Yeah. You Yeah, see them here.
1: It's so, crazy. you know, and that uh, just goes back to my youth, also of, of reading books like Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn, and being in these little boats. I've, you know, the little boats. I had to scout these islands in the Mississippi as well, and um, it was just a, a really fun experience. And everyone was so supportive of us being
0: there. So, is this right now your first film in uh, Louisiana, or
1: my first? Actual production, filming, yes. Yeah, I've been coming here probably for the last 20 years. I have friends here, so I used to come probably two or three times a year up until a couple years ago when I was just busy and out of the country on some other shows.
0: So you filmed outside the country? I have. Yeah. Where?
1: Um, I've done two shows in Colombia.
0: Colombia, that's a safe place to film.
1: Yeah, I, I didn't feel unsafe. I was OK. And we did we did film in, you know, some of the slums. And um, I think in one of our film days, we had the general of the, of the military police for Bogota come to set. So it was interesting to walk in the street with him surrounded by all his bodyguards. with He's probably more uh, unsafe
0: than anybody else.
1: You know, I think that there's a lot of respect for him. Because a lot of the people did know him and they're always very and part of it, I think, is because I think they have compulsory service over there for the first couple of years after you turn of age.
0: What is uh, what film did you uh, what was location there?
1: I did the second half of season one Narcos. Narcos. And um, that was a fun experience. True challenge. We shot in Bogota and um, we did Scout in Medellin. But uh, the second film was a bigger challenge. That was um, American Made with uh, Tom Cruise.
0: They go goes by hand in hand, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of uh, connected.
1: It does, yeah. And that was a true challenge. You know, we had to. I felt like I, you know, went to a battle and and barely came out because <laughs> I I was managing three different kind of geographical areas with um, local crews and. And it was challenging and then, we, you know, we had one on one extremely sad event happen is on our second to last day, two of our pilots were killed in a plane crash oh, um, heading back into Medellin and weather came in on the mountains where they were flying over. So okay. one of them was probably the most, not most, I'd say the most experienced, but one of the best movie film pilots ever.
0: They didn't have to do stunt flying. They
1: just flew in and out. Yeah, they were just trying to. We finished all the work for the film, and then they were flying. They had to get back to Medellin. They have an airport within Medellin, but it's um, at it's a sunrise to sunset airport. So they were trying to make it in before uh, sunset. And um, the helicopters that we're using, they flew after them. They landed, and that's when we realized that something had happened because they didn't see our our pilots. Wow. But you know, some of you
0: didn't show that. I, I loved both series watching it, American Made and, and Narco. It was mm-hmm. pretty uh, unique for the time back then.
1: It, it was, yes, absolutely. And it's amazing to see um, how people deal with other people in Colombia, because I think Colombia just had its fairly recent history, you know, if you go back to the 90s is when Pablo was still alive and still had his campaign of terror. So people were, you know, not trusting of relatives, not trusting of, you know, people they knew because you never know who was on on either side. A lot
0: of people don't remember him, but when you lived there in the 80s, 90s, he was one of the wealthiest people in the world back then.
1: They all were, the whole Medellin cartel. Because I think at one time, each one of them had offered to pay Colombia's debt to avoid being sent to the US. And I think that debt was somewhere in the vicinity of $27 billion.
0: But the government wouldn't take it?
1: Nope. Nope, it was a threat to them and, you know, the power that they had in, in the government.
0: That's crazy. I remember reading one time in the Forbes 500, they were like three of them in the top 10 most wealthiest people in the
1: world. And that's just money that they knew about, or they could guess. Mm-hmm. So I think that at that time, it would, Twenty-seven billion dollars, and almost each of the people that were being chased had offered that to the government. That's a lot of money. And to this day, they will still have farmers in different areas that he controlled that they'll dig up and they'll find giant bag, and it's six hundred million dollars in cash.
0: Don't you hate this when you find in your backyard six hundred million? Yeah, I have a problem with that. I'm mentally, morally, I, I don't know. It's a burden how to get rid of it let me try it
1: we just have to keep quiet because the government will take it <laughs> yeah no,
0: uh, you know I, when I watched it and saw this I like you know the execute Well, you guys did an incredible job I loved it but I like how they filmed it but then they have some of the original footage uh, oh, yeah. in, it was pretty cool the one thing I remembered when that s- said about it, they used two thousand dollars worth of serine wrap and rubber bands a week to wrap up the money and c- they waited. They didn't count it. Yeah, there's
1: too many too many bills to count.
0: Yeah, and the sad part, 10% was eaten by rodents since they didn't wrap it up good enough. No wonder That's we can print money. Since
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's great. Well, we don't want to go in there. But so how you like uh, Louisiana? And since you're here, you know, I know you at Middendorf's and you ate our fish and everything. When you're here, uh, you're staying in New Orleans or outside here?
1: I'm staying in New Orleans. In
0: New Orleans? Yeah. So you like the food here?
1: Of course. Yeah? Yeah, I'm, I've missed it. I haven't been here in a couple of years, so it's it's been a while, and I've missed it, and I'm hitting all the spots as I as I can find time off of work since right now it's been really busy.
0: Well, and like you said, uh, when you're on a set like this and looking for location, you know, a lot of people, it's not eight hours. You know, it's for the six, eight, four five months, it's whenever they need to 15 20 hours a day correct
1: yeah i think uh, thursday i woke up around 2:30 and immediately started looking at the weather channel because there's tornado watches and then uh, eventually left uh, the room to drive the causeway route cuz want to see what was happening and there's lightning flashes going off on both sides and by the time we dealt with all the changes and we finished the first day of, or that day of filming i got home and still had work to do. And I think I sent my last email around midnight.
0: That's a good day of work. So You deserve to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, when you go back to uh, L.A., when our last uh, filming here we did, or filming it was one of the travel channels, you know, Middendorf is known for the thin fried catfish. And when people seeing how we're making it on TV and everything, even from California, since everybody's always so healthy out there, our thin fried catfish or any fried seafood here, it's healthy fried seafood, just to let you know. So when you go back, you can tell them.
1: I will definitely tell them. Yeah. It's fantastic.
0: So um, what and, uh, since you like to eat, what about cooking? You cook at home?
1: Um, I can't say that I really do just because I really don't have time. I mean, I, I probably can make a couple of things when I have time, but not you often. You never got into it? I just never did. You know, I,
0: well, I like I, to cook. For me, like, people don't like to go, when I go to the grocery show, uh, mm-hmm. store, it's like when women go shopping and they see all the bargains, and when I walk in there, I look at the grocery aisle, and, you know, like, just dreaming up, and you see the apples, oh, let's try to make this, does it fit with this, and in your head, all the ingredients come together, and I'm so excited when I go home. Well, you do have to move industry, so that's what I, I like I like to do.
1: Yes, that's my ingredients are the producers, the writers, directors, locations, <laughs> 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 how to make them all work with each other.
0: You know, last week when you guys came out and there's like two buses showed up, was like 30 people you guys had here and you guided them in all direction. And like you said, you know, there's so many people. I you know, like, how do I figure out what to do since there's so many people here? So that's when.
1: Yeah, there's, for those scouts, it's literally the, uh, the department head and his, his two or three main people. And so we pretty much know there's a grip department, electric department, props department,
0: but you don't care about it.
1: Sound. No, I mean, I have to deal with them all because sometimes, you know, for example, our props uh, for the scenes that we would want to film here, there's some dinner scenes. So I put him in touch with wonderful Karen to order some thin fried slice, uh, catfish for the scenes.
0: Well, we can't wait to for this uh, show to go on the road to see it. And by the way, we can't tell you and we won't talk about it, what it is and when it is, but we were very excited. So, um, anything else you want to tell us about the movie industry or what do you like? The people, famous people, or just tell us a little bit more about...
1: I've worked with uh, obviously many, many different actors. Some are great, some are not, uh, not so great, some are just more standoffish, but I think for recent history, most of my experience with the actors have been pretty great. Regina King's a fantastic actress. Very humble, very friendly and outgoing. Um Let's say probably there's so many. Like Michael Cudlitz, um, but you know as far as like huge actors I've gone I've worked with pretty much Mel Gibson, Sylvester Stallone, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Whitney Houston, Kevin Costner. Denzel Washington, just a variety.
0: Denzel Washington, he filmed out here, what was it, De Vu, I think, after yes. it was here. It's right out here on the swamp, but actually he came every day over here and said, ate some catfish. Mm-hmm. And then a few weeks, a f- few years later, we had Red, Retired and Dangerous. What was it, Freeman and Bruce Willis, I think, was in it? The-
1: Mar- oh, yeah. Um, Red, or yeah. Big? yeah.
0: They filmed it right back here on the gas station. Oh, that's great. great. Yeah, it was pretty good where the boat, the shrimp boat is parked back Mm -hmm. there. That's where they filmed that they're sitting there then with a smoke. So they were here. Mm -hmm. Actually, they got lost. They always had to walk to our fenced area back.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, it's a challenging experience. Um, It's always great to go to a place where people are welcoming. So Louisiana is welcoming, New Orleans is welcoming. Middendorf is welcoming and um, you know, just to have a new experience and enjoy life and bring that experience to everywhere that we film. I've done a lot of shows that are very gritty urban street shows and uh, one of the things that we like to do is we like to make sure that when I take people into, for example, South Central or Watts, um, I have a person that I work with that we've worked with pretty much since training day. And um, we like to keep the money that we spend on production and for locations within the community. So um, we deal with the gangs. We want to, you know, put a couple of them to work, to give them a job. We also will um, ask the background people, uh, our casting directors, to find the background from the neighborhood, you know, and then we basically, like on the day that we're filming, we will invite kids to watch. I think on the last film that I did with uh, Shia LaBeouf, he invited these four kids to sit in the director's chairs and watch the scenes on the monitor. Uh, and it's to me, it's basically showing them that there is something else that they can aspire to. And so I think that's one of the good things that we like to do. And then for what we d- we're doing here in Madisonville, um, we... Made an agreement for the f- the funds that we pay for the use of, of different city properties, that that f- those funds would actually go towards the restoration of the cemetery that they've uh, taken over um, the last couple of years because it was abandoned and they went to court to claim it, and so now they're they're wanting to restore it and you know change some of the fences and stuff that are been long long damaged. So you know, positive things come out of filming and. Um, we do encounter people that aren't so fond of us, but we always try to, you know, come to an agreement at some point.
0: Yeah, uh, well, I s- Yes, um, but we have to work all together. I've seen it sometimes one time where people just, whatever they want to do, they don't like it. Mm-hmm. But I think it makes us all look good and we work together. And people don't realize it's hard. I don't want to just work together, but to make it happen and for you guys and also for us to be back. Sure. You know. Uh, this has to work together. And accidents can happen.
1: Accidents can happen. Any way, shape or form, sometimes yeah. something can happen. You
0: know, and that nobody means to be. Um, I have some a few little questions here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to tell us a few little facts about you. something crazy about. What is the craziest or the most adventurous thing you ever ate?
1: I would have to say... Can't be the catfish, okay? I tried <laughs> crickets in Thailand.
0: Were they sh- chocolate covered or
1: no. spicy? No, they were just fried crickets. Just, and I, oh, they were da- uh, uh, fried. I, I not live. bought them just like the locals do because the uh, locals eat them like popcorn. So yeah. I just decided to buy and a bag and...
0: They were just fried or toasted and sesame seed all?
1: It took a lot of effort to get the courage to eat them. So I drank a lot at the time. <laughs> Did you
0: drink <laughs> first and then ate them?
1: I drank first and ate them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. And is there anything, since you work most of the time, but there's something you must do for fun. I mean, if you're Louisiana, you know, you could go fishing, hunting right now, duck hunting. I mean, since you get up at two, duck hunting, you can go out at four, so you can work for two hours and go out and kill a couple of
1: ducks. Oh, well, you know, I've never tried that, but uh, that might be a consideration.
0: I thought they have so many parks in LA. They have ducks uh, there. Yeah.
1: Well, uh, California's a different country. <laughs> They well, don't we like do guns. We do know they're
0: a different country. We know. They're so <laughs> welcome in our country. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so, no duck hunting in any public parks in L.A.?
1: No. Huh.
0: Okay. Well... Very licensed. You that could
1: maybe go bear uh, hunting and deer hunting way up in the mountains, but nothing in town.
0: Nothing in town. You know, I used to live in Austin, Texas, and there was like Barton uh, Springs. There used to be some homeless guy. In the winter one day, the police store find a, saw under the bridge a big fire and they used to feed the ducks, all the people there, all the homeless, not all, two, three homeless guys that just snatched them, plucked them and roasted them right <laughs> there. Well, they had a good Thanksgiving goo, uh, duck. Yes, I did. Okay. But besides this, when you're here, uh, just work and...
1: Um, as soon as I get a little time, uh, again, I go visit with friends, try some, some of the new dining options that are in town. Uh, this actually tomorrow, I'm gonna make the Saints game.
0: Oh, this will be an exciting game! So, it'll be a every a game very here good game. is exciting. It is, and by the way, we have one of the best quarterbacks ever. You know, it's nice to see him somewhere. Almost like as good as my quarterback. <laughs> Your quarterback?
1: So, I'm from Los Angeles. I was a Rams fan all through my childhood, and when the owner moved them to uh, St. Louis. I was really, really angry. So I ended up looking for a team, and I saw the Green Bay Packers. And the fact that there is no owner, they're the only team that's owned by shareholders. And so that means they will never move. They will always have their history there. And um, so I became a Packers fan. And then probably about five years after that, became a one-share owner of the NFL uh, the Green Packer? Bay Packers.
0: You know, so these uh, shareholders, like in, in uh, Germany, where I'm from, you know, all the soccer teams, there there's no owners. They're all just clubs, and everybody can be a member.
1: Oh, okay. I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, they don't have... England has a little bit some private owners but in Germany you can start your own soccer team mm-hmm. and you know and you can if you have enough money buy better players you uh, you go to the next division, oh. next division, next division. So it's not like they're all in one division. A lot of the that's European teams you know have the Premier League then you have a league underneath it. So the last, the, the three worst team of the league they go one division down and two go back up. So, so you go going to the game tomorrow. Well, I am. That's exciting. That's exci- well, anything else you want to add to this, Mike?
1: No, I just want to thank you for the invite. And uh, also so I can have some more...
0: Catfish? Catfish. Uh, we're eating catfish right now. And I made for Christian and Karen, who helped us taping this, I made some Kartoffelpuffer mit apfel sauce in. We also have this on our menu for our fall dinners, always. Well, thank you. Thank you, Mike, for coming out here for some catfish and Kartoffelpuffer. And... Until the next time, good night from the Manchak Chit Chat.